You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. This morning, we are going to continue the third week of our series called Awe and Wonder. And I'm going to invite Petra to come and to join me. Uh, We've been wrestling with this idea of awe and wonder, just believing that uh, this is a season of, of joy. And we have asked children to read parts of the Christmas story, and today is no exception. And so, Petra, without further ado, from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, here is the Christmas story, part of it. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby, lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds Shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I love it. Good job. Good job, Petra. Thank you. Thank you. It was just like the angel had told them. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. We say that, but unfortunately, the Christmas story in this culture that we live in, in this day and age, is often contested or forgotten or minimized. And in the culture that is slipping, uh, we just, it's harder to talk about Jesus or it's harder to find people talking about Jesus even at Christmas time. And we can tolerate it to some degree in our culture, right? And we can say, okay, we got to rub shoulders and we got to bring the light. But when the facts of the virgin birth or the angels, the the visits being washed away or becoming jaded uh, at our work or even in our own homes or at Christmas with our family gathering, church, I just want to declare that we cannot allow the church to stop sharing the awe and the wonder of the Christmas story. Amen? When it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born, we believe this story wholeheartedly. This is how the Jesus the Messiah was born period, right? And we believe it, and we need to share it and allow the Holy Spirit to change us through the story. And that's whether you're at home uh, or here in person, uh, today is a day of awe and wonder. 
So we started the series talking about awe, and we said that awe is when you experience something bigger than yourself. And then there, there was this, this definition that we used that the sense of wonder that we feel in the presence of something vast that transcends our understanding of the world. So it transcends our understanding of what reality is, and we were created that way. Church, we have senses uh, physically and emotionally and spiritually that come alive to notice the awe and the wonder around us. In the verse, or the word, I'm not, not the verse, but the word that we often will say when we think of something full of awe and wonder is the word awesome. Everybody say awesome. Well, we often will overuse that word, and we, uh, I remember as a student in high school learning that there are only two things that are truly awesome, spaghetti and meatballs. No, 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 God and His work. It's God and His work, and anything that is humanly possible is not actually awesome. In this series, we've talked about awesome, the awe and the wonder. And really, this series is about miracles. And miracle is another term that is thrown out, and uh, it's used quite a bit. Uh, so you may have heard someone say, it was a miracle that the Lions beat the Vikings a couple weeks ago. Any, any Lions fans in the house? All right. We got a few. All right. Okay. Uh, not, a, not, not too many, unfortunately. Or you might say there's a miracle when your baby sleeps through the night for the first time, right? And that might actually be a miracle. <laughs> but miracles truly are only related to things that are impossible. And right in the middle of the Christmas story, uh, there is a pronouncement of an angel to Mary in Luke 1.37 that says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Let's say that together. For nothing will be impossible with God. And the truth is, when we think of miracles and the impossible, God always shows up with big miracles. Pastor Rocky last week talked about creation, probably the greatest miracle of all, taking nothing and creating everything you could ever imagine. And then in the middle of Scripture was the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus and a future miracle that we believe. It's our blessed hope. It's, it's the rapture of the church that we look forward to. God always shows up with miracles. And the fact is, is that the Christmas story is filled with real miracles, real stories of awe and wonder. Stories where Mary and Joseph both are interrupted in their life with angel visits. We understand in the Christmas story the incarnation where God is fully God and fully man. The virgin birth, the stars in the sky, the visit from the Magi, which we're going to focus on next week. Even after the birth, we have the pronouncement of the prophet Simeon and the prophetess Anna. Both in those stories say that they were filled with awe. And even the divine, the miracle protection of Joseph and Mary and Jesus, they kept Jesus alive in a time when Jesus was born where they were killing newborns. And of course, what Petra read just a minute ago, an angel. How awesome is that? And then a host of angels called the armies of heaven presented themselves to the shepherds who were the lowest of the low 
in society. Out of that story, I want to pull three quick points, three highlights of the angels and the shepherds. And the first point is this, is that the shepherds received in that moment a word from the Lord. Look at it. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, but really focus on verse 11. It says, the, this is the pronouncement. This is the word of the Lord. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And then, of course, the, that word was magnified with the heavenly hosts, awe and wonder. You know, in Scripture, it's not the only place where we see stories or where we see the word of the Lord come to life. When I was preparing, my heart was drawn to a story from my family just a few years ago. It's really Reagan's story, my daughter. When she was in her last year of high school, we were talking about colleges, and we did a couple college visits. And one of the college visits we did was all the way to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we went out there, and it was kind of a long shot because we had determined as a family that we were going to uh, help our kids get through college debt-free, and that was a priority. And the, the price tag to go to North Central at that time was over $30,000 a year. And so it was a long shot, but Jessica, or, or Reagan and I, we made the trip, the pilgrimage out there, and it just so happened that her host room uh, person, her name was Maddie, she was a Texan uh, uh, young adult, and she was a pastor's kid, so a PK, just like Reagan was, and she happened to be going through school debt-free. And part of her story was that her parents said that they would work as hard as they could and that she would work. And then Maddie, every single month that she was in school, would get a check enough, and it was an anonymous check, uh, a cashier's check to her, uh, to cover the rest of her schooling. It was a miracle. And so Reagan, as we talked with her about the, our desire to be going through school debt-free and thinking, I don't know if this is possible, over and over as we discussed these possibilities for Reagan, we would hear Maddie say the phrase, won't he do it? Won't he do it? With a Texan accent. And uh, won't he do it? Uh, over and over in different ways. And this little phrase was the word of the Lord for our family. Won't he do it? In fact, let's say it in our best Texan accent together. <laughs> Won't he do it? Come on, come on, say it nice and loud. Won't he? Yeah, you got it. You're, you're good. You can type it in the chat and just say, won't he do it? We had a Holy Spirit revelation through a young lady. It was our own angel visit. Now, back to the story. We'll pause in, our, in Reagan's story for a second. Back in the story of the shepherds, they get this word from the Lord that Jesus had been born. And what was the shepherds' first response to the word of the Lord? They were terrified. Fear, doubt. If you lump all those together, there was a lack of faith. There was no thrill of hope. They were afraid, right? There was this lack of faith. And it makes me think of our own interactions with the Word of the Lord when we get those impressions as well. Think about the season that you're in, your need, things that you're believing for, your prayer requests. Sometimes there's a lack of faith. There's doubt. There's fear. And sometimes it's in the result of unanswered prayer where we prayed for one thing and it never happened. 
Or we prayed for the impossible situation for our health or uh, finances or a relationship, and it didn't come together the way we thought it should. And then what happens is we just expect that the impossible is actually impossible. And we follow the science of things, and we live our lives diluted with science and technology, and I'm not against those things. But unfortunately, many of us become cynical or skeptical. And our lack of faith has put us in a place where we have stopped believing in miracles, stopped asking for the impossible. You say, well, why is that? Well, there's lots of reasons, like we've been saying. And sometimes it's the government, or sometimes it's mankind, or sometimes it's the economy around us. Or we've seen an abuse of power or position or people that have faked miracles. I, when I was in college, I was studying for ministry, and we studied uh, fake revivalists. And one was named by the, by the name of Peter Popoff, if I remember right. And, um, and we, were, we were told in class that this guy would have an earpiece in, in his ear and he would someone was feeding him information and it was crazy you also i heard in class that you could order miracle water and when i heard about that guess you figured out a way to get some miracle water i did i ordered some miracle water for seven dollars and 77 cents that i sent and in the mail came a little vial of miracle water it ended up evaporating, but, uh, um, and, I, and I think I still have the little vial in our basement in, in my books. I looked for it for a second, didn't dig deep. But, uh, and so you may have experienced someone that has faked a miracle, and you say, well, all these, for all these reasons, what happens is we end up dismissing the word of the Lord in our life. But I want to just bring us back to that idea, won't he do it? And let that be the word of the Lord today. For Reagan, she had to wrestle, uh, won't he do it? And just like the shepherds, what were they going to do? And that leads us to the second thing. The shepherds not only heard from the Lord, but they then moved into action. Look at it, verse 15. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, that was crazy, Let's go back to sleep. No. They said, no, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in a manger. It was a test of faith for the shepherds to say, okay, are we going to take this word, and are we going to put it into action? And the same thing was true for our family and mostly for my daughter, Reagan. She had to put her faith into action. She had to take the word of the Lord, won't he do it? She had to apply for college and get accepted. She worked on scholarships. She did work study. In the summer before she left for North Central because we felt like it was God's call on her life, she worked 40 hours a week at a mortgage company in Zeeland Plus, she cleaned the armory in Grand Haven five to six days a week for two to three hours a day. She was busy. And I didn't say this first service. At that point, I think you were saving like 80% for college. Isn't that right? And, uh, and so she worked hard. And the point is that when you get a word from the Lord, you partner in action with the word of the Lord. It's the partnership. God, I'll do my part, 
But if you don't show up, God, it's not going to work. We throw ourselves at God's feet, and then his sovereignty kicks in. And we may not understand it all. On this side of eternity, we look through a dim glass, the Bible says, but we know that we can put our full faith, our full trust in the Lord. In our story, the shepherds, they heard the word of the Lord. They hurried to see. But the question that's interesting to ask is, what were the shepherds basing their hope in? What was their faith rooted in? Well, it was the word of the Lord and the miracle right in front of them. And the same is true for us today. When we put our faith in God's word, the awe and the wonder of a supernatural God comes alive. That's where we find the awe and the wonder. In church, if we take the virgin birth and the miracles and the angel visits and the resurrection uh, out of the story, if we say, well, I'm not so sure, or we question these things, what happens is we are left with a powerless God. And that's exactly what Satan would love for us to believe. But if, if that was true, who would serve or who would worship a powerless God? But church, we don't serve a powerless God. In fact, it is God's nature throughout history to do the impossible. Luke 1, 37. And we see it right in the Christmas story. But it was God's character to step in in hard situations. And the truth is, this morning, all of us have a story. There are things in our lives that are difficult. There are things that are, are hard to share. There are parts of our story that are even uh, embarrassing at times. And, but we know that when we come to the Lord, He does a great work in our lives. This morning, we've asked a couple from the church, or a couple of people from the church, Marcus and then Gabrielle, to share parts of their story. And without further ado, I want you just to tune in to what they had to say. My name is Gabrielle Cricky. Um, I like to be called Gabby sometimes. My name is Marcus Gooden. My story is really, it, it honestly feels like, like, a, like a BC, AD kind of a situation. It's been over 20 years, long over 20 years since I've been in church. BC, before Christ, quite literally, I was really much of the world. I had an incident with the church uh, when I was a kid. I really didn't know about it because I pushed it down so much. I went to college and, you know, fell into like that trap that every college kid kind of goes through and has to get through. I ended up going to the hospital for two weeks with like tubes and wires coming out of me. It caused me to, when I was in therapy, I had to talk about it so and it brought up a whole lot of anxiety and depression and stuff like that. I was just grasping at whatever I could find. So I would look for that connection in um, other people. And when I you know, realized that they were flawed humans just like me, it really um, left me like dejected and angry, um, not only at them, but at myself. I've been struggling with depression, anxiety, PTSD. So what that ended up feeling like was just like 
almost running on ice, right? You're not going anywhere, um, but you're, you're trying your hardest. It's a tough, tough situation to have to deal with. I've been dealing with it for many, many years. For me, that turned into, I was working like 70 hour work weeks. I was drinking, I was smoking, um, I was uh, like high probably 65% of the time just out of sheer boredom. I was exercising a lot because I knew that like uh, exercise was a healthy person's thing to do. Um, but I wasn't eating either so I was getting sick a lot and I developed eating disorder tendencies. I was going through some major depression one day uh, back in the summer and I was home by myself and it just like hit me real, real hard. It all kind of just was spiraling around me and I was in the middle of it trying to grasp at the right thing but it just felt out of reach. I just grabbed my knife and I went to go cut my wrist. What does it take for someone to to come to Christ? What does it take for someone to make a drastic change in their life? And what is it gonna take for someone like me to make a drastic change in their life? What does it take for someone to find Jesus? We left this at the cliffhanger moment and uh, we will come back to this, but the reason we did that is because for many, of us, we're in a place similar where we're feeling somewhat hopeless. Feeling like, how could God do anything in my life? What would it take for God to step in and do a miracle or the impossible? Well, we want to challenge you with some word from God's word. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With man... It, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If you go back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, uh, the question is asked, is anything too hard for the Lord? In Jeremiah 32, verses 17 and 27, it says, Ah, Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth, the miracle of creation. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard. And then, then the Lord responds in verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And if you fast forward to the New Testament, there's a promise in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20, that says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power that's at work within us. The idea here, it's that God partnering with us in action. We take our expectations and we put it with God and our needs, our unanswered prayers. We bring those to the Lord and we can believe for the impossible. Back to the story of the shepherds, right? We, they got a word from the Lord, then they went into action, and then there's something else that caught my attention this week in Luke 2. At the end of the story, verses 17, 18, and 20, the shepherds then gave credit to God. The shepherds gave God all the credit. Look at it. Verse 17 says this, after seeing him, 
The angels told everyone, they shared the good news, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just like the angel had told them. Glory to God. They shared the good news. And the same is true in our family. When Reagan ended up going to North Central, she was working hard. We were working hard. And uh, she ended up graduating last December completely debt-free with money in the bank. And I'm so, so proud of Reagan. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? To God be the glory in the story of the shepherds, in in our lives, and in your life. The awe and wonder of a Holy Spirit, awesome God. And the point is, we need to be prepared to share and to tell what the Lord has done in our lives. The word moves to action. The action moves to giving God the credit. And throughout the process, uh, we, we bring God to the center. It was interesting as I was studying, I was thinking about um, uh, watches. I'm a watch guy, and uh, some of you guys know that. And um, I'm wearing today a Seiko. Bought this in October of 2020. Um, someone uh, was like, hey, is that a Rolex? No, it's a Seiko. <laughs> uh, cheap man's Rolex. But, uh, but it's a good Rolex, or it's a good Seiko. And uh, it was a 55th anniversary edition and, and kind of special to me. And I was thinking, you know, God uh, is not like a watchmaker and, and related to the, st- to the story at hand. And a watchmaker will put the watch together. This watch in particular, if you pull the back off, you can watch the movement. And uh, it's really stunning. And it's pretty neat. But, uh, but the watchmaker, after they put the hundred or so pieces in this little watch together to get it to work, they give it or someone buys it, and then the watchmaker may never see this watch again. But that's not how God works in our lives. See, God, he puts us together. He knits us together in our mother's wombs, right? And the thing is, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. In fact, uh, God is not a like a watchmaker in the sense that a watchmaker will get things going and then step away. No, God is a hands-on God. That's good news for us. He's a loving Father that intercedes for us. God reacts to our prayers, our requests. He did it in Scripture. He does it today. He responds. And it's part of his character that he does not change and that he is a miracle-working God. Even when you study Jesus' life, and you know in the Gospels it shares all the miracles that Jesus did. And you might ask or been asked the question, why did Jesus do so many miracles? Well, yes, he did miracles, first of all, to prove who he was. But could it be that he did miracles just for the sake that he cared about the people that were in front of him? I think so. He cares. And he comes to us and he partners with us and we can see the impossible come to reality. In Marcus and in Gabrielle's stories, two different stories They were both in impossible situations. 
life spiraling out of control, but God. Let's look and see the rest of the story. What does it take for someone to to come to Christ? What does it take for someone to make a drastic change in their life? And what is it going to take for someone like me to make a drastic change in their life? I just grabbed my knife and I went to go cut my wrist. I think God knew in that moment that for me, what it would take was to completely pull me out of my life altogether. Something grabbed my hand and pulled my hand away. It was like I was reevaluating my whole life. I dropped the knife and stuff and I started crying. I knew that, like in the back of my mind, I knew that he was there and he was right, but his way was so different from my way that it didn't seem feasible for me to go to him. I first met this church here at the end of year summer bash. Well, I got a counselor and... Everybody seemed really, really nice and I talked to my fiance about coming to church and stuff and I was kind of reluctant on it, but some told me to just go, so I came. And as the sessions went on, I realized, oh, this guy's a Christian and like, he's, he, he knows that I grew up in a Christian mindset and I didn't tell him I wasn't a Christian and so he's starting to use these like references. Coming to the Gateway Church, you know, Pastor Ben and Pastor Robbie um, and everybody else here welcomed me. If you don't feel valued, you need to start framing yourself in like a child of God kind of a way. That was the pivotal moment. That was like the, the AD and O'Domini moment of Cutting the world out of me, sitting me down, putting a mirror in front of me, and saying, okay, let's get to work. I used to be a real mean person because of all the hardships that I went through, um, closed off and stuff, and so it got me to be more open and more caring about other people now. And since I came here to Gateway Church, I've met a lot of really, really nice people. It was so, it was just easy to be here. Um, and everyone was very kind and welcoming and they wanted to know more about me. And I like felt like opening up and sharing with them. I am uh, an ex-con that has changed his life for 360 degrees. Yes. I knew moving here would have its challenges, but with God next to me and around me and in my life, it doesn't feel impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. He loves us all. Yes. That's like the synopsis of my story. That's It, it really is like the, the before and then the after. And all the moments in between were they were hard and they were like liberating and they were surprising and really just added to the total transformation of what once was to now what is. Yes. I love it. Amen.
Man, thanks, Marcus. Thank you, Gabrielle, for your story, for sharing. And I love the fact that what seemed impossible became possible as they turned to Jesus, partnered with him. And I, I just, it's, it's part of the Christmas story, that when we turn to the Lord, he meets us right where we are, and he cares for us. There's another term as we wrap up today uh, that's often used around the Christmas season. We don't see it uh, other than the Christmas season, which is a little unfortunate, but it's the term Emmanuel. And what Emmanuel means is simply God with us. In fact, I have my notes. Whatever you need equals Emmanuel. Whatever you need equals Emmanuel. And you might be thinking, well, does God really work in people's finances? He absolutely does. You are sitting in a financial miracle. We don't have the time to share the story about that. You think about salvation. You say, does God really still save? He absolutely does. In fact, it's a miracle every time someone surrenders their heart to Jesus. There are marriages that may be struggling. You say, does God really work in relationships? He absolutely does. One of my best friends lives in Indianapolis. We were in ministry together. And 15 years ago, found himself in uh, infidelity. Uh, and uh, there was an affair. And his marriage, I thought, was ruined. But 15 years later, they're stronger than ever, doing well. Won't he do it? There are situational miracles. I was sharing the story, first service. Um, Bob Boss's son, um, had, he's a, a senator in uh, Illinois, and he needed to sell a house and then purchase a house, and the timing was within hours of how God brought that all together, and it was only by God's hand that it all did. And even for those of us that have been praying for Brent and Ashley in this season, uh, it's awesome to hear the story. Many of us have been praying for Ashley. She uh, gave birth and then immediately uh, came down with COVID and for six or seven weeks was in the hospital fighting for her life. They did not think she was going to make it, but by God's grace, she is home and doing well, recovering. And God, he has done a miracle. Won't he do it? Whatever your need is today, whatever you're standing in need of, Emmanuel, won't he do it? This morning, you've, uh, as you either sat on the card or you moved it, I want everyone to grab one, and uh, we provided these for you at home. Uh, we'll put up what it says on the card. It says, where do you need the awe and wonder of the Lord in your life? Uh, we want to answer this question. Each and every one of us, young and old, and I want even if you're here in both services, I want you to participate uh, with with us. And at home, you can answer this question in the chat. Just know that we know who you are, uh, and so if it's confidential, certainly take uh, you know move forward at your own uh, pleasure there. But here, we're not going to put our names on these. And what we'd like to do is we'd like to close our service today with this Christmas Sunday answering the question, where do you need the awe and wonder of the Lord in your life? And the truth is, every single one of us can answer this in some way. Some of us need 
bigger miracles than others. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a, a, a family issue. Maybe your kids, you can write your kids' names that are prodigal sons and daughters, marriages. Maybe God needs to provide in some way for your family. He can take care of those payments. Maybe it's a physical need. And what we're going to do is challenge you by faith to put down your need. And then we're going to sing the song. Pastor Bobby's going to lead us here in a second. And uh, we're going to give you time to do that. Uh, during the first part of the song, you can get up, and there are pens at the two little tables at the before you would leave the sanctuary. You can grab a pen, or maybe a couple guys can help us distribute those. We want everyone to participate. And then we want you, then at a certain point in the song, we're going to all stand, and then we're going to ask you to move forward with confidence and bring those needs and lay those at the feet of Jesus. Lay those at the altar and partner with him, believing for the impossible. So without further ado, Lord, we just ask that in this moment, as we sing this great song, Waymaker, that talks about that you are here, you are Emmanuel, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to dig deep. Where do we need the awe and the wonder of the Lord? And God, we just lay, we will lay these things at your feet, but Lord, challenge us to dream big in this moment, to believe for the impossible. In Jesus' name, amen. Take some time to fill out these cards. circumstances look because sometimes the way the circumstances look they look as if as if we are just six feet down under as if we just can't get out of this hole that we're in and it just looks like not even God can do anything and I just want to tell you from someone who has been just in that hole that God does do something he can do something and he will do something and I encourage you that trust in God is not just a feeling, it's just an act of obedience. And no matter the circumstances or how you feel, just always saying, God, I trust you. And what I do, I'm gonna trust you. And what I say, I'm gonna trust you. And God has a purpose for everything we're going through. And no matter what we're going through, it is being used to glorify the kingdom of God. Everything he does, he does for the good of those that he loves. I just want to encourage you to just remember that he just loves you Hallelujah. and he has not forgotten you you're not unseen he sees you and he's yes. using you to further his kingdom yes. and he absolutely adores you yes heavily thank you for sharing that i just feel impressed to just as a word from the lord uh, that and it's just a short little phrase. I see you. I see you, says the Lord. I see you. I see you. And I don't want to overcomplicate it more than that. I see you is the word of the Lord this morning. And Bobby, I want you to share what you did at the end of first service. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I think sometimes 
It's so easy to give God control over things, especially things that maybe we've prayed over time and time again. And, and, um, and I encourage people first service, and I, and I want to do it here again this morning, uh, to, to, to look at your hands in a closed fist and, and imagine whatever need, whatever prayer, uh, whatever you laid at the altar, look at it in your hand. And what we did this morning when we laid these sheets of paper down is it, it's like looking at whatever problem you have and opening your hands and giving it to God. And uh, this is a principle that we talk about when we talk about being generous with our finances, that, man, when we hold on to what we have with a tight fist, uh, not only does that mean that we don't lose it, but what it means is we don't have open hands to receive more from the Lord. And, uh, and sometimes when we're holding on to things and we're not willing to let them go or lay them down to God, um, we're not allowing God to work in that situation. We're not, allowed to, uh, we're not allowing God uh, to speak on our behalfs. And even uh, whenever we're holding on to that situation, we are looking for our version of that solution. And sometimes when we open our hands and give those to God, uh, what we're saying is, God, it might look different than what I'm expecting, but your way is better than my way. And so I might be looking for this, but I know that you want to give me something better or something different, or you want to ultimately give yourself glory for that. And God, I know I can't lift up hands to you with closed fists. I need to open up my hands and surrender to you. So I want you guys to just look at your hands, closed fisted, look and imagine your need, your prayer, your hurt, what you're asking God for. And symbolically, I just want us, uh, whenever you feel ready, and it might be harder for some of you than others, because again, this might have been something you've been holding on for a long time. Whenever you feel ready, I want you to just open those hands and give those to God. And uh, as you do that, and if you feel comfortable, let's just raise our hands in that posture of surrender. And remember that God sees us whenever we're facing and whatever we're going through, that he sees us. And let's sing uh, the last bit of this song again. sometimes we're promised those things on this side of eternity and sometimes it's on the other side of eternity but lord we lay everything at your feet and again we know that when we have open hands we are now willing uh, not just to give you our problems but to receive whatever solution you have in store that god your way is so much higher than our ways that your thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts and so we lay ourselves down because you laid yourself down for us jesus and we thank you that it is through your stripes it is by your wounds that we are healed and lord so i pray for everyone who who needs healing over uh whether it's physical whether it's spiritual whether it's emotional lord i thank you that it is by your wounds by your stripes we are healed so i pray healing over the people here lord and we thank you that you have also called us your new creation that we are part of your new creation that we have a promise of eternal life that it says though outwardly we are wasting away inwardly you're making us new day after day and so lord i pray that you would just renew us from the inside out that the eternal life that we are promised in the future the new bodies that we are promised in the future just like you received a new body as you were resurrected from the grave i proclaim a new life and new worth over us today lord 
And um, Lord, whether our answered prayers on this side of eternity or on the other side of eternity, it also says in your word that we hold this treasure in jars of clay, Lord, that we are these fragile, worthless vessels that are carrying these eternal riches to eternal life. And it is through your blood, it is through your name, it is your gospel that we are carrying. And Lord, we thank you that you call us your ambassadors, that you call us your people, your saints, your children, your heirs, that even though we are in these mortal, wasting away bodies, even though we fail you time and time again, even though we were once your enemies and at hostility with you, we thank you that you have put in us a promise of eternal life, that you have put in us eternal riches that will not spoil. And Lord, so we know as we go out, as we leave this place, that we are going out into a lost hurting and broken world. So we pray that we can be someone else's answered prayer, that we can be someone else's miracle, that whether it's through city serve or a word of encouragement, Lord, that you will send us out to be hope to the hopeless, to be light in the darkness, Lord. And so we pray that you would empower us, that you would infill us and that you will send us. And that as we go, as we are, uh, as you answer our prayers, that we will go and be someone else's answered prayer as well. Jesus, we give you all the praise we give you all the glory we give you all the honor because you deserve it Lord it's in Jesus name we pray today and everyone says amen amen thank you so much for worshiping with us today we hope that you have a great Christmas and go in the name of Jesus thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church if you'd like to find out more about our church such as service times giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.